stationary. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write in notebooks. Matt, what'd you give me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you've got a paper-like and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax to get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Comics Catch-Up. This is the War Rocket Ajax spinoff podcast, where we catch up 
on some comics that uh, we missed somewhere along the way while we were reading other comics. And with only one exception, we do it at you, the listener's request. I'm Chris Sims. That was Matt Wilson that you just heard. And we had, I don't know, man, I hated it. I hated it. You know, I, I went into this with really high hopes. It just surprisingly like overrated. Like once again, once again, yeah, I, our listeners have, have led us like, astray. Okay, so we read 2014's Thor 1 through 8, and it's just like, I, we're kidding. It was really good. Yeah, that's no, great. <laughs> I thought it would be a very funny bit if we pretended to hate this one in the way that we have hated other things. That I love. honestly absolutely loved this eight issues of comics. Yeah, it's – I mean, I, I I have a couple of minor beefs with it, but like it's a hell of a way to to reinvent Thor. And it's a hell of a way to like kick off a series. Like that first issue is – uh, incredible. Here's what I think is is kind of the most notable thing about these eight issues. Mm-hmm. They read like one unit of comics. They read like a mini series. They have threads that go th- like the issues. There are threads that go throughout all eight. There are like mini arcs within it, but it really does tell one complete story with a beginning, middle, and end. With a satisfying payoff, it's it's just really good. Yeah, uh, and, and and here's the thing, Matt. I didn't realize this until I literally got to the last page of the uh, of number eight, which is the last issue of this particular Thor series. Uh, it ends because of Secret Wars. Yes, so it gets cut off essentially, and it does not read like it. And again, I'm sure like. Jason Aaron is, if if not the guy at Marvel, and I think it's kind of fair to say he's the guy right now. Like, he is the d- dude doing Avengers. <laughs> Certainly one of the guys. Yeah, he's one of the guys, if not the guy. So I'm sure he was, like, at the, at the retreat, right? Like, figuring out how he needed to plot out his series. Uh, but, like, yeah, it, it ends perfectly for you to go and do some other Thor stuff for a minute. It's the perfect place, and and that's juggling that kind of like <laughs> uh, ha- having a series that you think is going to go on longer than it is, and you got to wrap it up real quick is very difficult. Well, I don't get the sense that that's what happened here. I I feel like Aaron must have known he had eight issues. Yeah, because it's just the right amount of time to kind of string along the reader. And keep the mystery as to who this new Thor is. And then pay it off in issue eight in a really beautiful way. Yeah. Where we find out, we as the readers find out that it's Jane. But the Odin son still doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. And won't know until after Secret Wars. I I, I think it's just really well done. and And the sort of red herring... Of the the shield agent that Thor is convinced that it is, yeah. Who I am almost completely unfamiliar with, uh, Roz Solomon, who obviously is named after Roz Kirby. Yes, uh, but I have no idea 
uh, what her deal is or where she showed up. I guess she was, uh, she's a Jason Aaron creation, apparently Jason Aaron and Nick Klein from Thor, God of Thunder. So as I have said before, I want to go back and read all the Hickmans. I want to go back and read all the Jason Aaron's. Yeah. Cause here's the thing. Another thing about this, it's a very clear unit of story that works as one story that also very obviously ties into a lot of stuff that came before it. Like all the Roxxon stuff. Mm-hmm. Like clearly Roxxon got Loffy's head, his skull, before this. Loffy's mm-hmm. skull is sort of the the MacGuffin of this story. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody's after it. But the, they got that before this. We Ross Solomon has been dealing with Roxxon before this. And then it plays into so much that comes after it, because you can see the seeds being planted for uh, later stories here. Yeah, dude. War of War of the Realms gets set up here. War of the Realms happened this year. Because of Luffy being revived. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that shit all tied together. And Malekith has been kind of the driving force behind this, this whole thing. It, Malekith is, to this story, kind of like... The Joker is to Batman R.I.P. or or Morrison's Batman run. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair analogy? <laughs> I think it is. I, I, I think I think you're spot on. Because because here's the thing. Because it can't be Loki. Because everybody likes Loki. Yeah. And Loki was busy being a, a hero. protagonist slash antihero slash villain masquerading as a hero uh, slash antihero again <laughs> slash. He had a lot going on, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Well, Kid Loki was still around at this point. Kid Loki wasn't around at this point. Kid Loki was gone. This is like Handsome Loki was around by now. Because Handsome Loki's on the cover of of number seven. Okay. Uh, But yeah, like, you are absolutely not wrong. And, like, I talked about it setting up War of Realms, which is a story that happens five years later in 2019. But this also, Jason Aaron takes over Thor in 2012, and we yeah, see that sounds about right. We see King Thor with his one arm, and then two years later, two, which is an eternity in modern comics, uh, we get we get Thor losing his arm to set that up, uh, and also and also, uh, King Thor's arm in in Thor number one is the Destroyer arm. And Thor cuts off the Destroyer's arm. <laughs> the Odinson cuts off uh, the Destroyer's arm in this comic. Yeah. The, Shit is tight. It is It is hard to know how to refer to him. <laughs> because uh, he's been Thor for so long. Yes. But, but Jane and Foster it's literally Thor, his first name. <laughs> Jane, he gives Jane Foster Thor that name. Yes. In this. Yes. And I, everybody's reaction is really really good like thor's reaction to this new thor own son's reaction to this new thor is curiosity and at first rage like at first like you've stolen my hammer but then it's supportive he gives this new thor his name uh freya's reaction is right on there's this great conflict between Freya and Odin that's going on in here that plays out all the way up to War of the Realms. Mm-hmm. It's 
like there are so many moving pieces. There are so many pieces on the chessboard, and Aaron is just deftly moving them around. Yeah. Uh, a thing that I think is really great is the way everyone reacts to Thor and the way Thor presents herself. Uh, and one of the one of the best, like, you can only pull this shit in a comic book things that happens in, in this, because Matt, that's why we read them, right? Because we like the stuff that you can do with them. Yeah. The fucking thought balloons. The thought balloons are back. The fucking thought bubbles. But they, oh. serve, a, they serve a very perhaps unique purpose in this particular story because here's one thing that the thought balloons okay we were reading this after knowing that jane foster was thor yes so it was a bit of a different experience for us than somebody reading it for the first time when it's first coming out when the audience doesn't find that out until issue eight of -hmm. this but that is like a key clue to, at the very least, this new Thor not being as guardian. Yes, which which Thor, uh, the Odin son, does not know, and like colors his reaction to for the first like few issues of his kind of search to figure out who she is because the first people he suspects are Freya and Sif. Yeah, and he also su- suspects uh, Valkyrie and Hildegard, who is not a Jason Aaron original. Uh, she is a character from the seventies, baby. <laughs> Bronze Age Marvel in the house. Uh, but I love that we are told up front in a very comic booky way that you can only really do in comics. Oh, hey, she's not from Asgard. Just so you know. Well, and the way that that is laid out is that Jane's thought balloons have. Jane talking like Jane. Yeah. They're but Jane's thoughts. They're Jane's thoughts. But when Thor speaks, it's in that kind of faux Shakespearean Thor talk. Yeah, she she talks like Thor. Even Thor. to the point where she's surprising herself with what she's saying and what she knows. Yes, which I love. Somehow becoming Thor, picking up Mjolnir, has given Jane Thor all this knowledge about yeah. the the realms and the history of the frost giants and all of that stuff which is also a great way like without saying it a great way of saying by the way she's thor like this isn't thunder this isn't eric masterson this isn't like you know she's she's not just someone who picked up the hammer she's thor she knows the stuff thor knows she does the stuff thor does uh, which I think is a such a great thing to like establish right up front. Because, I mean, uh, Jason Aaron and uh, Russell Dodderman knew the reaction they were going to get, and we know that because of the Absorbing Man scene that I okay. know you want to talk about. I definitely want to talk about that. We'll get to that in a second. But, yes, she is Thor. Yes, she does the things Thor, Thor does. But she also does some things differently. For example... Anytime she uses the hammer, a lot of characters remark, I've never seen the hammer do that before. Yeah, because she she throws the hammer, and instead of going like straight and coming back to her hand, it goes all around – like it, it loops and crashes and in a very interesting way that is actually one of my few gripes with the book, uh, if you want me to get into that now. Well, let's, let's hold off on it. Okay. Because I want to do this real quick because – 
I feel like we've talking we've been talking about this a good bit as if everybody listening to this has read it. And one thing that someone has said to me, a few people have said to me about this particular show is they would like a little bit of a synopsis of the book. So Thor 1 through 8 was a continuation of the the Mighty Thor series. This one didn't have uh like the Mighty on the title or God of Thunder on the title. It's just Thor. Uh and it started what is the the series, the mini series that preceded this, Chris? Uh this picks up pretty much from from uh Thor God of Thunder 1 to 25. Yeah, which yeah. is the the where Aaron starts up. That's the story with the God Butcher and everything. And then uh the immediately preceding thing that makes uh Thor Odinson unworthy of the hammer is uh original sins. Original I remembered. Sin. Yes, it's in original sin. So there's a, a moment everybody knows a secret in the miniseries original sin where Nick Nick Fury, who has become the Watcher, whispers something into Thor's ear. We never find out in this series what he said, but it makes Thor unworthy of wielding Mjolnir. And that's where this series opens. This series opens with Thor unable to pick up his own hammer. Thor Odinson. If you don't remember Original Sins, uh, that was the uh, comic where you found out that Nick Fury never actually had the Infinity Formula, and he was just an old dude on the moon, and then the Watcher's eyeballs exploded, and everybody learned secrets that the Watcher knew. It's it's not my favorite event. But it, it did lead to this. Yes. So, at the end of the first issue someone whose face we don't see picks up Mjolnir and becomes Thor. We find out later that that's Jane Foster, but much of this eight issues is just following this Thor goddess of thunder, which she is referred to as goddess of thunder. Mm -hmm. We're, we're following her as she's kind of getting used to it as she's picking up some of the slack left behind by Thor who has really kind of taken a, gone down a downward spiral uh, since becoming unworthy. His arm gets cut off pretty early on. Yeah, he can't uh, lift Mjolnir, so when Malekith shows up and attacks uh, the Roxxon Sea Lab, <laughs> when he t- attacks Sea Lab 2014, uh, Thor has to go into action with his old weapon, Yarnbjorn, the Iron Bear, uh, which is what he used which as is- a... Which is, god, it's an which is an axe. Which is an axe. Which he used as a younger god before he uh, had Mjolnir. Which uh, that and I think Cole Obsidian, who shows up. No, Cole Obsidian. Uh, Cole Borson. Cole Obsidian is uh, a a uh, Black Order guy. But uh, Cole Borson and Yarnbjorn being young Thor's weapon, I believe, are from the Fraction era. So it's picking up on those as well. So. We've got Odinson at a low point. A new Thor has taken the mantle, and it causes all these conflicts. Meanwhile, the huge oil company Roxxon is dealing in finding ancient mythical artifacts. We find out that its CEO is a minotaur. Yeah, they also have uh, attack sharks. 
Oh, you know they have attack sharks. Uh, hey Matt, fucking Roxxon is great. <laughs> great at being terrible. And there, there's also all this Asgardian conflict going on as well. There are frost giants showing up, led by Malekith, because Malekith has kind of become their leader now. And uh, yes, Malekith, uh, who is a dark elf of Svartalfheim, uh, has made a pact with the giants of Jotunheim, the frost giants, where they will they have an alliance essentially against the other realms, specifically against Asgard and Midgard. So that, that's essentially what's happening throughout these eight issues, and all these stories, as I said, are happening kind of like threaded between each other. Like they're all kind of happening together. There are little small mini arcs within the book, but those are the the continuing threads through all eight issues. And again, it's just so well thought out and constructed. Uh, but Chris, I, since you brought up that sticking point of not the way Thor uses the hammer the way she does, being one of your small gripes about the book, I would like to yeah. hear about that. Uh, it, it's not a gripe with the with it happening in the story. Uh, I actually think it's a really good idea and like gives Jane uh, a very different flavor to her action. Than we've seen with Thor. And to that end, I think that is probably why it is depicted the way it is. Uh, I also want to say, I, I think Russell Dodderman is really good at drawing. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. uh, clear. One of, one of but, my small gripes about the book is that Russell Dodderman doesn't draw the whole thing. And that I know that that is one of something that comes with monthly comics, especially when you're on a ticking clock and you have to get this done before Secret Wars. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things where it's like, this would be such a great eight issues of comics sold as a book. Imagine if it had like consistent art all the way through. And none of the fill-in art is bad. It just looks different. It's it's all really good. It's all really well drawn. And I love the... uh, I don't know if Dodderman did the design for Thor, if it was um, Olivier Coipel, because uh, he does the covers, I believe. Yeah. But uh, what a great design. I, I love the design for Lady Thor. Uh, I love the design for Thor, colon, Goddess of Thunder. I shouldn't... I, I You know what I mean. <laughs> uh, but I think um, because Dodderman has that kind of... George Perez-ish, Jeff Darrow-ish kind of detail to his art, like uh like kind of a Nick Darrington thing as well. When the hammer is rolling like like moving around the page in all those weird ways, it the the motion of it doesn't isn't as clear as I would like it to be. And again, I think that might be by design, because we're used to, you know, we we've talked about the all splash page issue of Simonson's Thor, where uh, right. he's fighting uh, uh, Fin Fang Foom slash the Midgard Serpent, and it's just fucking haymaker after haymaker. It's 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 direct hitting something with a hammer, and that's how it should be. It is You just fucking haul off and hit it. And for Jane to have something else that is equally like powerful and equally destructive, but it's not a straight line, uh, 
is a really good choice, and I feel like depicting that was really difficult, and I do not envy Russell Dodderman the challenge uh, that he faced with that. I just don't think it works on the page as well as I would like it to. Uh, it's very, it's visually confusing in a way that I, uh, I, I had to look real long at some of those panels to figure out what was going on. There's some really good lettering involved in it though, where like the sound effect follows the uh, little family circus path of the, of the uh, hammer and goes from panel to panel. But those moments I don't think balance out the readability uh, of those scenes. And so weirdly enough in this comic about Thor, I feel like the weakest stuff was the action scenes. I feel like the weakest stuff was the fight scenes. And again, uh, this is a minor, minor gripe because it is otherwise a beautiful book and otherwise like very, very uh, well staged. It's just that particular element of the action scenes didn't play on the page as well as I would have liked. Did you find that, or, or am I alone in this? I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I don't think it bothered me. Mm-hmm. I could kind of just say, okay, the hammer's flying around, that's fine. Like, yeah. I I didn't need to be able to follow it, per se, as long as I could understand generally what was happening. I think the staging that kind of confused me more was when they're on the floating rocks on headquarters uh-huh. rocks on island yeah rocks on island and there's this whole sequence where i forget the ceo's name but rocks on ceo uh, his name is dario agger dario agger thank you it's d agger yeah it's dagger dagger he it, locks himself behind this super powerful set of doors <laughs> and super doors Mjolnir is stuck. Like the doors are separating Thor from Mjolnir. Mm -hmm. So it's constantly trying to push through the doors, but the doors are strong enough to hold it back. And some of the staging of that, just kind of like knowing where the frost giants were in relation to Thor and like some, I, I mean, it's all there on the page, but like, some of that was slightly hard to follow for me, but mm-hmm. I also don't think the action was the main thrust there. It was more kind of story stuff. So yeah, you I, get I see where you're coming to, from. You absolutely get enough of it to, to carry on with. Uh, but you know, the thing is it's, if I describe it to you, it's a really cool bit of action that tells you a lot about the character. And if you read it on the page, I don't know that you get that as easily. But again, you know, good book. Speaking of the the fill-in artist, I believe it's only one issue. So, you know, I'm making it sound like maybe there's more of the book that's not Russell Dodderman than really there is. Mm -hmm. I think it's just issue five, uh, which is drawn by Jorge Molina, who does a great job. Like, it's it's a good-looking issue. That is also the issue with Absorbing Man and Titania – which yeah, is, is so good because absorbing man's dialogue in that issue is essentially the shit terrible fans would say about having a woman as Thor. Matt, uh, he absorbed a red pill is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> he, and I kind of love this. Cause like the entire time I was like, well, wait a second. The Absorbing Man's girlfriend is Titania. Are they married? 
They might be married. They might be married. Uh, but I kind of love the idea that the Absorbing Man, you know, because <laughs> he's kind of a fucking scumbag. Uh, I like that he likes uh, strong women, but he doesn't like strong women. <laughs> well, that was very funny. He makes that shitty point that so many fans make where he's like, yeah, but why can't you be a new character? Mm-hmm. Why do you have to be Thor? Which is just like, maybe even a little too on the nose, but I very much enjoyed it in the moment. Yeah. Uh, I also like when t- uh, Titania shows up and uh, uh, knocks uh, the Observing Man unconscious, which is very funny. Um, and she goes, yeah, you're probably going to have it pretty hard. I had it pretty hard. <laughs> which is very good, given the in-continuity and out-of-continuity cool. history of Titania. Yeah, she basically is like, hey, I'm going to give you a pass this time. Yeah, because hey, I'm not gonna fight the. Uh, I'm not gonna fight uh, a female Thor. Come on, uh, because you know we gotta stick together. Yeah, at least this once. Although next time I am gonna beat the shit out of you. Yeah, just FYI. This is just this is just once because I'm really excited about this new female Thor. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, it's it's really good, and the reveal at the end is. Like, the reveal of the fake-out, or that the suspicion of Roz is a Mm fake-out, is really well done. And then the reveal that it is Jane, which doesn't happen until really the last page. Yeah. is It's literally the last page, yeah. Also really well done, because we saw Jane earlier, I believe in issue six, where we see that she is dying of cancer, Mm -hmm. which leads... Odinson to mark her name off of his list. Yeah. Like Understandably. He doesn't, like he doesn't know it's a magic hammer that can transform you, though. But I mean, <laughs> thinking is not his strong point. Yeah. It's it's really interestingly put together. I love the reveal. And the fact that that reveal is going into Secret Wars, so they're, they're going to do that Thor's miniseries before it gets back into this. Uh it's it's a nice little cliffhanger to re- leave readers on too. Uh, a thing that I really really loved about this uh, last page, Matt, and and the 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 Jane reveal was that when she first picks up the hammer, when we first see the hand of the person picking up the hammer, uh, she says, uh, "There must always be a Thor," which sounds like a like a very like weird like 1990s Marvel comics thing to say. And I'm pretty sure that might be uh, in the Dargok Tor issue. You know, you know about future Thor, right, Matt? You know about future Thor. Yes. Uh, from the Thor core, from the Thor core. Uh, but we finally like eight issues later, she explains what she meant. And it's a really interesting kind of idea about what Thor is and it's the idea that he's a the, the the god who knows what it's like to be human and the way she puts it like she literally says like you know a, a god who came to earth and suffered so that other people wouldn't have to and i had never really considered thor to be like a christ figure <laughs> but that's clearly what aaron is getting at in that part of the script of uh jane foster's thor is kind of a Jesus figure. It's what if Jesus was Thor? 
which is bananas, and I love it. Yeah, it's good. It's a really, like, for all the stuff about, you know, gods and such, I had never really thought of applying that to Thor, because in my head, like, you know, yeah, he's a god, but he's, you know, an Avenger also. (laughs) Uh, But getting it all laid out like that was a thing that I think explains what it's like to be Jane Foster in that universe and to quite literally have faith in Thor on a personal and also like, if not religious, semi-religious or quasi-religious way. And I just think that's really interesting. Like how many times have we said that we just want to see stuff that we've never seen before, you know? All right, Chris, I think we've done a pretty good job of examining these eight issues. Yeah. Now it's up to us to rank them. Uh, I mean, it's really good. Yeah, I like it more than some of the other Jason Aaron Thor we have on here. Uh, for example, we have the God Butcher on the list. I think it's better than the God Butcher. Uh, yeah. Let's see. That I mean, is currently on the list. We kind of talked about it a little bit, but... The Mighty Thor number one opens with Thor Odinson getting his fucking arm cut off by Malekith. So, like, that's a... It's a great opening. It's very much a what-is-happening opening. And I think you, like... A a strong opening like that counts for a lot for me. Yeah. Especially when it is able to live up to it later. The God Butcher is currently at number 258. So this is going to go very high on the list. Yeah, I think it might even go in the top... I know it's going to go in the top 250. It might even go in the top 200. Um, uh, number 200 right now is... Mm, number 200 is Batman and Robin Volume 1, which you want to talk about a good opening. That's a good-ass comic. I honestly think this is weirdly comparable to Batman and Robin. It really is. Where you, like, there's a replacement Batman. Right? It was a, a series that was clearly made to be... Shortish, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it it leads to a period of there being two Batman, which mm-hmm. this led to there being a period of two Thors. Um, yeah, I'm I'm going not just weirdly comparable, 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 comparable. Yeah, um, is I. <laughs> I just went back and reread those not too long ago, and Matt, they are really good. Oh yeah, like, they're extremely good. And they've got that Frank Quitely art, which I think does like a lot of the the tricks that uh, Dodderman does, and is you know detailed like Dodderman's art. Uh, but like incorporates those sound effects and and those tricks in a way that I think put is a little bit better. And again, being second to Frank Quitely on that front is uh, no no shameful accomplishment. All right. Below that is Robin Dies at Dawn. That shit's good. Fantastic Four Hereafter, which I like a lot. I think this is better than Hereafter. I I really do. Okay. That would also put it above Marvel 2 and 1 Annual number 7. I th- uh, Matt, look. I think we can objectively agree that this is probably better. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I, that I comic would, does rule. I would be very, very fine putting this... At the new number 202 on the list between Robin Dies at Dawn and Fantastic Four Hereafter. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a very good place to put it. 
All right. That is going to be Thor, parentheses, 2014, numbers one through eight. And that is the uh, the beginning of Jane Foster Thor. Now, weirdly enough, I have read the end of Jane Foster Thor. And boy, if we ever do that one, that's going even higher. Is that that's pre War of the Realms? It is yes, it is pre War of the Realms because she comes back as Thor in War of the Realms temporarily, yes. but then pivots to being Valkyrie afterwards. Yes, uh, War of the Realms is where Mjolnir comes back, and the end yeah. of Jane Foster Thor is where Mjolnir gets destroyed. Right? Do you know how it gets destroyed, Matt? I do know that. Yes. Yeah, it, the fucking Mangog comes back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we will eventually get to that story. I, we should just do like big Hickman and Aaron rereads because I mean, look, if that's all we did for comics catch up for the next year, I'm fine with that. Yeah, they both have very impressive libraries of work at Marvel Comics. Yes, but these eight issues are what we did this time, and. We thank you for voting for it in the poll uh, back in October, uh, because even though this won the October poll, we saved it for this month so we could do something spooky in October. Uh, We will have a new poll in December for something else we should read. What are we going to read Christmas Eve, Matt? Well, yeah, maybe we should do a poll of like four holiday stories. We Well, we've already read all the clauses. Or I have. Have you read all the clauses? I, I've i read most of the clauses. I don't know if I've read the newest one. Mm. But I know I've read most of them. Because I have them in hardcover. I bought them in hardcover uh, in Los Angeles last year. In Los Angeles? That's right. The mean streets of Los Angeles, California. Talking about Lipstick City? <laughs> That's right. But yes, uh... Keep an eye out on uh, at the Matt D. Wilson uh, to find out when you can vote on what we'll we'll be doing next. Uh, will it be yeah, Christmassy? Send us some send us some ideas for some Christmassy stories that we could do for the yeah. for Comics Catch Up. Maybe some we recent are, ones. We are always open to suggestion. Our only thing is we would prefer it if these were shows about things we liked. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, that may be too much to put on the listeners to be like, hey, only give us stuff we like and know what we like well enough to give us only stuff we like. But, uh, so, you know, send us some holiday I mean, stories you think we might like. I mean, the thing is, I think they've tried so far to give us things we like, and I do appreciate that. Uh, people also do love it when we read things like uh, Doomsday Clock. Don't just send us the Doomsday Clock of of – Christmas stories. Doomsday please. clock of Christmas. Doomsday Eve. Doomsday Santa Tracker. Uh, we'll work on it. We'll workshop it. See you next month, everybody, for more comics catch up. Yeah, everybody. Good catching up. Yeah.